Thank you. Thank you for your welcome. Um, it's tremendously flattering coming, coming back here. And uh, a few people uh, recognize us. It shows I haven't aged at all in the last 20 years. That's clearly, um, clearly what's happening. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, I understand uh, that you've been looking, as you, as you read the Bible through during the year, I understand that, that this week you've been looking at Titus, the one and two, uh, Titus 1 and 2. Uh, and uh, it's a great letter, isn't it? It's a letter that helps us uh, to understand a lot about um, uh, church leadership. But also right at the beginning, I, I hope you pick this up as you've been reading it, right at the beginning of uh, chapter 1, um, there is a, an, an, a sort of helpful uh, or a lot of help for every Christian, whether in leadership or not, for every Christian to live in the light of the gospel. And today I want to kind of talk with you about some lessons to, to further the faith of God's elect, as verse 1 puts it, of Titus 1. To further the faith of God's elect. Lessons we can pick up from the wider church. Uh, an area of the church that is referred to as the persecuted church. But hey, these are brothers and sisters. This is part of one church, our church. And uh, so it, it, whilst there are many of our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted, let's remember that we're part of one church. And that's why this is such, for me at least, such an important aspect of ministry. Over the last uh, couple of years, our lives have been... Uh, well, dominated, haven't they, uh, by these little uh, packages and uh, these little readings, dreaded COVID tests. Uh, maybe you're still um, going through them from time to time and uh, experiencing the, the, the fear of whether that red line is going to appear or that extra red line is going to appear. But these aren't the only tests in our lives, are they? Alongside COVID tests, we have maybe tests in school, uh, driving tests, eye tests, pregnancy tests, blood tests, fitness tests, uh, and there are all sorts of others that you will be able to think of. Life is full of tests. And often such tests can be really hard and can be really painful. They can be very unpleasant and extremely difficult. And what's their purpose? What's the purpose of most of these tests? Well, most of them are to prove something that is already true. Taking a COVID test doesn't give us COVID. It tells us whether or not we already have COVID. So they give us confirmation evidence or proof that something is real, something is genuine. Well, the Bible tells us that tests can be used to give glory to God and can be used for good. They prove or further our faith, an already existing faith. And these tests are help, helpful to prove that or to further that, to grow that already existing faith. And they move us towards that level of godliness that Paul talks to Titus about in that letter. Tests help us to live genuine, authentic lives, deepening our character and our commitment to Jesus. 
Testing is something that Zabi knows all too well. Okay. What am I doing wrong here? Okay, uh, tests are something that Zabi knows all too well. Zabi has a secret. She is a Christian. And the Taliban know it. When Afghanistan dramatically fell into the hands of the Taliban just over a year ago, Zabi's only choice was to flee. To flee her home, to run for her life. She was forced to gather whatever few possessions she could quickly find and carry and to run for the border. You see, a few years ago, Zabi's father was killed for being a Christian. One day, the Taliban came for him. They tortured him for months and then they killed him. Soon after, her brother disappeared, never to be seen again. Today, Zabi is a refugee. I may have to go into hiding or be deported to Afghanistan. I may be killed if that happens, she says. In this life, if we call ourselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, we will face tests. And our faithfulness can be challenged and tested. Now, few of us are likely to face martyrdom or extreme persecution, like Zabi and her family. But we all know those moments of decision or choice, maybe even daily, where we will be put under some question, perhaps put under some pressure to choose between Jesus and the world. Let me read from 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Just a few verses from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor, when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter, many of you will know, was writing from Rome, the the epicenter of the empire around AD 64. And he was writing to a scattered group of believers living throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. He was writing to them as a faithful minority living in an increasingly scary and hostile world. Wider history tells us that the early church were hunted, tortured, set alight, sent to the cross, daring to utter the words, I am a Christian, not only led to mockery and insults, it was potentially deadly. 
And for the early church, there was this expectation of being tested. To feel the heat of suffering. To suffer for Christ. And the type of suffering that Peter is writing about is persecution. Suffering solely because of loyalty to Jesus. And his insistence that his people belong to a different empire. A kingdom with allegiance to God. To extend the rule of heaven and not Rome. Such loyalty, such allegiance, such faithfulness to Jesus still costs today. At Open Doors, we estimate that more than 360 million Christians today suffer high or extreme levels of persecution. 360 million. And they suffer that discrimination because of their faith. Now, that's a big number that none of us can really picture. So look around the room. There's, what, 70 or 80 of us here? One in seven Christians globally, one in seven of us, 10 or 12, 13 or 14 maybe here. Every year, Open Doors tracks the depth of danger and the cost of being a Christian. And they release uh, something called the World Watch List. I've got lots of copies of this year's World Watch List that will aid your prayers. And uh, these are the, the 50 countries, the top 50 countries, where following Jesus costs the most. The countries where people ex- endure extreme levels of persecution and hardship. Uh, we saw it earlier, but here... Here, here is the, uh, the, the current map um, showing that the fire of persecution is raging and is spreading. Now, these are not bare statistics, but again, these are brothers and sisters that we're talking about. Our Christian family, tested to the limits, beaten, battered, broken yet somehow able to demonstrate to us, the Western church, what genuine faith might look like. Some of the uh, 2022 World Watch List trends show us that the, the persecution of Christians has reached the highest levels since the production of the World Watch List began about 30 years ago. For the first time, Afghanistan is has become number one on the world watch list, the hardest place to live as a Christian. Now, that doesn't mean that persecution levels have have diminished in other countries. It's still desperately hard to follow Jesus in all the top ten and many, many other places. But the triumph of the Taliban has boosted other jihadist groups and extremism uh, across Africa and Asia and indeed beyond. The total number of Christians killed for their faith rose from 4,761 last year to just under 5,900 in 2022. 5,900 killed just because of Jesus. That's an increase of 24%. And for those not killed across the world, 
the church is increasingly displaced or refugee according uh, or adding to its vulnerabilities for Christians like Zabi could you move us on please somebody whoever's pressing buttons thank you for Christians like Zabi life and hope hung by a thread but thankfully God led Open Doors Field Partners to Zabi when she found refuge in a neighboring country and thanks to the support of churches like you people like you we've been able to give her food and money to stay safe and to survive you are a strand of hope for me she says there is a chance that I may live it was into a similar cultural movement that Peter wrote those words of deep encouragement the next slide shows in all of this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. So three thoughts from that passage. Testing is real, but temporary. It's a huge comfort to Peter's readers and a very big reason. Peter says in verse 6, to rejoice, to take heart. And by using this term greatly rejoice, Peter literally means jump for joy. Jump for joy in the face of testing. Yeah, you might jump for joy when your team scores a goal or when you pass that exam or when you get a job promotion. But it seems crazy to greatly rejoice in the context of suffering. But Peter insists that even when we're tested to our limits, even when life is too hard to bear, you can know joy that isn't dependent upon our surrounding circumstances, but it's rooted in something far, far deeper. And it's this which brings comfort and joy in the midst of suffering. Testing and trials won't last forever. They're temporary Suffer for a little while, Peter insists. This world is fleeting. This life is but a blip on the road to eternity. Keep remembering that. Eternity is so close. Eternity is what matters for the believer. It's the prize, the inheritance that's on offer. And Peter is reminding the exiled, persecuted Christians of their new identity reminding them that they've been born again into God's family, brought into a new and living hope made possible by the resurrection of Jesus from dead. Sin and death are defeated. Amen? Sin and death are defeated. And on offer is an inheritance for the children of God. Eternity, nothing in this world can match what is being offered to us through Christ. This is an inheritance that will never come to an end. It will never decay. It will never disappear. Kept for you by God himself. Testing is real but temporary and for the child of God the best really is yet to come. But secondly, testing refines faith. It shows whose you really are. 
And the word picture that Peter is using here in verse 7 is of gold being tested and refined at very, very high temperatures. The purest, most valuable, precious metal was refined to the hottest of temperatures to, to burn off, remove all the impurities. And once impurities were removed, the refiner uh, would continue heating, watching for the molten metal to become shiny and reflective. He'd keep on doing this over and over and over again until he could see his reflection in the precious metal. The point of life is not hedonistic pleasure. The point of life is not even happiness and comfort to feel good all the time. It's not about rising up the career ladder to be highly uh, popular and thought of as a Christian. This life is intended to deepen our intimacy with God. And as we become more like Jesus, as the impurities are stripped away, we enable our Lord and King to see his face reflected in our lives. When so-called Islamic State swept across the Nineveh Plain in northern Iraq a few years back, Dr. Rebia lost everything he had worked so hard for all his life. Rebia ran a successful business. He owned a number of properties. He had a fleet of cars. He owned a lot of land. This gave him status and influence. He was an important character in his community. You could say that he had it all. But within a few hours, everything changed. As IS swept through his town to cleanse it of Christians, Dr. Rebia had to grab his wife and kids and they literally ran for their lives into the surrounding hills. Persecution turned Rebia's life upside down, but it deepened his faith. Before they took away everything, I was a Christian only by name. But now my faith is alive. I now know the love of God more than ever before. And Rebio goes on to say, one of the greatest challenges you face as Christians in the West is that you're more in love with life than you are with Jesus. And it makes you unwilling to die for him. A few years ago, I had the privilege of traveling to northern Iraq to stand in the midst of the Nineveh Plains to look at the town where Rebia is from, listening to different Christians talking about their faith and how that had been honed by all that had happened. And that resonates with me. You're more in love with life than you are with Jesus. Testing refines faith. It shows whose you really are. And we, we will never fully understand or, or choose to go through these experiences. Of course not. But one key effect of suffering is to free us from impurity, from meaningless attachments. Ultimately to free us to be more in love with Jesus. Thirdly, testing means encountering more of Jesus. Suffering is almost always used by God if, and that's a key word, if, 
we allow him to work in our hearts. God is at work in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the pain, shaping us, molding good out of bad. And perhaps today, there are some here who need to be reminded how precious, how valuable, how loved you are in God's eyes. The world would say that because you're suffering, because you're grieving, because you're struggling, well, surely God must have abandoned you. But you are held and loved and given everything you need by him. You are precious to the one who knows what it is to be tested to the full. And as we're tested, as we are refined, as we are repurposed, Jesus is right with us. He's right with us in the midst of the fire. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Testing means encountering more of Jesus. Few of us will face extreme persecution, but the tests that we do face are real. The choices, the decisions, where we will be forced to choose between Jesus and the world. Forced to choose between loving Jesus or loving our comfortable life. The challenge of our persecuted sisters and brothers is whether we make Jesus Lord of all. Are there things that we need to lay down, that we need to loosen our grip of. The fire of persecution across our world is real and intensifying, and yet the light of Jesus is shining even more brightly. Faith is fueled as God gives strength and courage to our persecuted family. Your ongoing support and prayers are a vital, vital part of this. So I just want to ask today if you would consider standing with our persecuted brothers and sisters so that they know that they're not alone. Join in with open doors to strengthen them in the heat of the fire. And here's how you can help, by standing in the gap. G-A-P, give. Could you consider giving regularly to open doors? There's an opportunity to do that, to bring vital hope to people like Rebia and Zabi. To act and to pray. Your prayers can go where you physically cannot. And if it's the only thing you can do, please do it. Because it's such an important thing. And again, I've heard time and again, persecuted Christians thanking me for prayers and for going on praying, for standing with them in the gap. And you can sign up to receive a prayer diary to pray that, that informs our prayers and helps us to know how better we can um, pray for the persecuted church.
You may have heard that uh, over the last few days, the founder and inspiration behind Open Doors, Brother Andrew, died aged 94. His book, God's Smuggler, has profoundly shaped my walk uh, with Jesus. Uh, I read it as a very new, very young Christian far too many years ago. And uh, it is a fabulous story. It's a story of how Open Doors started way back when. But it's a story of faith risk and following Jesus no matter what. I have a few copies available uh, that I'm happy to give away in return for those who feel able to partner with Open Doors today. But I would encourage you to read it and uh, reread it if if you've already got it on your bookshelf. It is just a fabulous story. But friends, let me encourage you mostly to be praying for our persecuted sisters and brothers. It feels in this country as though it's becoming a bit harder to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But really, the difficulties that we face are minuscule in relation to the real pressures of life that so many are under. So let's pray together. Uh, Let's pray now, and uh, as we lift uh, the global church up to our great God, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that your love is just beyond comprehension. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, We need fear no evil, for you are with us. And Lord, I pray that whatever we're going through right now, that we will know the reality of that, that we will be comforted and held by the power of your hand. But I pray too for those who go through um, persecution, levels of persecution that we just cannot comprehend. I pray that they know of our love and prayers for them and of your love and protection for them. Enable them to stay strong, to remain faithful, and help us all, Lord, as one church to serve you. For your glory we pray. Amen.